Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. Hey everyone, it's Sanira here. As you may know, CEO School is officially part of the HubSpot Podcasting Network. We're now part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like Being Boss, hosted by Emily Thompson. Being Boss is an exploration of not only what it means, but what it takes to be a boss as a creative business owner, freelancer, or side hustler. I enjoyed listening in as Amy, along with her guest, Nikki Nash, discussed very practical ways to create a marketing plan that works. Listen to Being Boss wherever you get your podcast, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Hi, everyone. Welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanira Madani, and today we have the CEO of Elevate Network, which is one of the largest women's networks in the globe. There are over 200,000 women globally, and Maricela is now the new CEO of the company, and she's been with Elevate for, you know, over the last decade of her career. We're going to get to talk about her as, you know, um, an employee in the company, now becoming CEO of this company, and her passions around elevating women, elevating women in the work of workplace, and uh, just all things about people, culture, and honestly, community and what it really takes to be successful in your day-to-day lives, not only as an entrepreneur, but to also make your employees successful as well. And, you know, something that's important for us on this show is, you know, this is our, this is our mission is to elevate women and to bring uh, parity and and equality for women, um, not only in the workforce, but specifically in entrepreneurship and fundraising and in the world. And I think Elevate is just such a perfect partner of that. So Maricela, welcome to CEO School. Well, thank you so much, Sanira. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you. We're just talking about the uh, the New York City Marathon, and I'm going to get to that later. But you are you are just such a phenomenal woman who um, I'd love for the, our audience to get to know you a little bit as a person, your background, and just kind of share the journey of not only Elevate, but your personal journey uh, into how you got started to now running this global organization. Yeah, well, no, no story is linear. I'm sure you yes. see that a lot, right? Um, so I'm from El Salvador, so grew up there, uh, then started my career in finance. I thought finance was it. I was a banker. I was a real estate banker in the north of Mexico, financing low-income housing development. So you can see like niche as it gets <laughs> and in an extremely male-dominated industry. So I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, I made a, a pretty good career there and met some, met some of my greatest mentors uh, then moved to New York to go to business school, thinking I want to continue down the finance path. 
I want to continue down the banking path. I'm not going to go like that entrepreneurship thing is not for me. I'm too like risk averse. I'm scared. Uh, how can I, you know, do that? Yeah. So I, I kind of went through that phase of my life and then realized I was not happy. Um, I didn't really like the environment. I really wanted to change things. Um, I'm not a person who just sits there and doesn't question why are things the way they are. Um, and I had met through, well, the time I was at business school, this amazing woman, Janet Hansen, who had founded what was then 85 Rods, now Elevate. Um, and we just started getting along really well when I was you know, deciding, do I go back to Mexico in this um, banking role for a boutique financial uh, company? I was doing my last interview and the guy on the phone was like, well, but let's just get this clear. You're not planning on getting married anytime soon. Oh my God, shut up. No, no, this actually happened. <laughs> and to me, you know, the worst part is that to me, it was so normal. I was just like, oh no, no, no problem. And and he's like, okay, okay, then like, you know, let's fly you down here so you meet the team and like we get everything settled. And I'm like, okay. And then I talked to Janet, who's the founder of 85 Rods, and I'm like, you know, I'm really happy. I'm getting this offer. This is how my last interview goes. And she's like, do you not see anything wrong with that? I don't know what's worse is like the what he said or like you not having even a reaction to that. To me, it's like I was so conditioned yeah. to like, this is just the way things are. And I actually yeah. went back to my first interviews in Mexico and like, there was, this wasn't the first time I was asked something like that. You know, so talking to her, I'm like, you know, yeah, this sucks. And I don't like this environment. And I don't like things being just like that, because why should they be like that? And so ended up, long story short, um, she was like, come help me build this business. You know, we're two people kind of hanging out in this basement. It's been around for a while, but it's always been a passion project. It's never been like business. Um, I'm like, you know, that sounds like something I could be into. Um, God, I fell in love with it. Like from the moment I, I started, you know, the figuring out the pieces and how things fit together and how you grow and how you scale and how you find your market, how you find the people that you're going to really talk to. Um, so that's how I got here really has been pretty much a, a, a luck and meeting some people and then really having that sounding board of even when I I didn't know what I didn't know or you know I was in this very young being like I, I I'm just going with the flow having someone to to really pull me back and be like are you sure um yeah and so you and it's been since then we've I've been here you know I've, I've seen the company through a sale a rebrand um hyper growth and then scale back through COVID. So it's been a, it's been pretty much of a roller coaster of uh, almost kind of like reinventing the business every few years. Um, and it almost feels like starting, starting from zero every now and then. I love that you said that because it, that is, that is how you grow a business is that you have to reinvent it every few years. I always say like what got you from zero to six figures definitely is not what's going to get you from six to seven, seven to eight, eight to nine and beyond. And every step of that journey, things are supposed to break and then you're supposed to reinvent it. 
and markets change and times change and your customers change and you have to be willing to pivot and evolve. And that's how great companies, lasting companies are built. It's not the come in, be done. There's this perfect um, investor, this perfect person that's going to acquire your company. It does not like those Cinderella stories, those overnight successes are so far from the real truth of what it actually takes to go build business. So I love that you said that. I have so many amazing questions for you. First, I want to kick us off just by congratulating you and the success of Elevate from that two-person team in a basement uh, to being this, you know, side project to a real business. I think many women can relate to that. I think many women, um, when they start their businesses, start off with it being something on the side, right? It starts off with this side hustle or this, I'm not all in yet. And there is potential, but it's so risky to leave everything on the line to go jump two feet in. Um, And then when you do, that is when it actually scales. Like you have to take that risk in order to succeed. And that's what you guys did at Elevate and turn it in from that, that side project into a real business, which takes work and dedication and full-time people, and full-time employment, and full-time dedicated time. So can you like talk me through that a little bit on what you see? Yeah. So I, I mean, you're so right. That's how it starts, right? You you have an idea, you have a passion, you kind of like- mm, Playing with it. Yeah. Does it have legs? Yeah. Um, to be fair, Elevate was already kind of uh, a 85 Broads back then was certainly a business- the founder had like dedicated her life to it and it was her baby, but it was mission first business. Second, if you know, when, it, when we talk about the social enterprise, you have always two sides. One is the mission. How do we affect more people? How do we impact more people? How do we change the world in one way or another? But also we need to keep the lights running. We're not a nonprofit, so we don't get grants. We don't get anything like that. We are zero investment funding. Um, It's been bootstrapped from the beginning. So the way we think about it is no money, no mission. (laughs) We can't do anything if we can't make money. And we started, you know, when I started, when I came in, a lot of it was just, what do we do now? Like, yes, we have great ideas, but no money, no mission. You can't do anything if you don't have revenue. It's the most fundamental piece of every single business. And I think that especially as women, we that's the last thing we want to talk about is money. It's the last thing we want to talk about. And it's and even from a growth standpoint, I see entrepreneurs so focused on and everything else is important. Brand is important. Your website is important. This is important. Your team, all of these things are pieces to the overall puzzle. But cool is not a business. I literally said that on the last the last episode. There, If there's no revenue, there is no company. There is no company. There is no mission. You cannot actually fulfill the mission of what you're setting out to do if you do not get customers in through the door, if you do not get revenue in through the door. And so often than not, I find entrepreneurs not prioritizing revenue first as the approach to then scale up and build. Um, And so I love that you guys had that first in mind, even as such a mission centric company. And I I do think it's because we, because of our size and because of the scrappiness of being bootstrapped, we, we just had to, right? Like there, there, no one's going to save us. Yeah. (laughs) Like no one's going to fly in and just give us money because we're nice. Yeah. So we, we just had to prioritize. We kind of, jigger the business into what are our very basic lines we have to start from there what are the main lines of revenue where do they come from how do we find them and how do we find these people and then how do 
we each play a part to bring that um, that into the into the company. I mean, I was just literally before this, I just had an hour with our company just talking about our KPI tree and like, how do we make money and how everyone's integrated into getting to make money? Because it's so, so important that they understand, you know, how they play a part, especially because being a, a mission driven company, we do attract a lot of talent that is super passionate about the mission, but like less on the on the business savvy sense so it's 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 an interesting little beast um to say the least i feel you so hard i mean i i mean co school is a mission driven company it is not a not-for-profit and it's not because i don't want to have like there's so many things that we do that are charitable that are mission-centric but in order for us to succeed in our mission we have to have members we have to do programs we have to do these things and then there's so many free resources like this podcast, right? So there's so many ways that we can make an impact, but in order for us to really live out the mission, we have to still drive the revenue for it. And I do believe in building those styles of, even for not for profits, um, having the business minded first, otherwise they don't survive either. And you're totally right on having so many people that are so passionate about the mission, but you got to have the business always at the top in order to live out your mission. I think this is such a critical lesson already in the first 10 minutes in. Yeah, no money, no mission. (laughs) No money, no mission. So what's next? How did you scale that money? How did you scale your membership? What were some of the things that were your biggest challenges now looking back? And I'd love for, for us to pause for a second and for you to tell the audience a little bit about Elevate so we know who your audience is, what you guys do, and then let's go back and see how you kind of solve through these like major major blockers that came in in scaling this business over the last decade. Yeah, absolutely. So Elevate is the largest community of women plus at work. And I always like to emphasize the women plus because we believe that we can't really reach gender equity if we don't involve men and non-binary individuals. Like we just feel very strongly. To me, the way I see the business is, or our mission is, if we can get more women, diverse individuals, people who think differently yeah. in positions of power, we can actually make a change in the world. Yes, we can. Like it, we really need that fresh perspective that comes from different life, life experiences. Um, I think it was on your panel or one of the others uh, at Mobilize Women where it's like, if you continue to be, you know, just have leaders who are male, pale, and sale, then it can't <laughs> that sounds like me. really. <laughs> sounds like you, right? I remember you pale, saying Pale, male, and stale. like how do we actually create a world for everyone else so that's kind of what we do what the way we do it is we create safe spaces for people to come together particularly women and be honest about their careers so there are a lot of challenges we face just like you do with ceo school which is like you learn from other people right you like harness these lessons from others experiences so we kind of do that in smaller groups of people who can come together talk about their challenges, get advice, be real. Just, you know, sometimes people just come in and like, I don't know what to do. It sucks. And they don't feel as lonely or as lost as it's very easy to feel when you're working, particularly in very male dominated environments. So we do that. We offer lots of professional development. We have chapters in about 30 cities around the world. So mostly U.S., but sorry, (laughs) some noise out there. You're good. Um, Mostly U.S., but Dubai, Madrid, Brazil, um, Sao Paulo. So we have some of that international contingent. 
of people who believe in the same thing, who believe that we can really create a better world if we support each other instead of kind of just try to go at it alone. I love it. I love that there's chapters in all these different cities. Is it are the are you are the women and women plus physically meeting up? Like is it a physical? Like is it a network? Is it monthly? It's a network. Okay. It's a community. We don't have like a physical location. We do not don't have like a co-working space, but we do in-person events, which was why the pandemic was so mm. hard for us. Our big, big draw and how we got the community together was physically in person in all these different cities. We did we do have a very strong online component too, where we have um, events virtually or webinars or things like that, but not to the scale that we had to flip it to um, during the last three years. And so the pandemic must have been this huge, like complete shift in your business and another big repivot. What took place? Can you kind of go back and talk about, we've got many entrepreneurs in the room, all different kinds of businesses, right? At all different stages of businesses. But what I found is that when we listen to other founder stories, especially women, women CEO stories, the stories, like the the themes are still the same. And so it can be applied at every single stage. So what took place in that early scale? Where did you find your revenue and some of those things? And then what took place in the pandemic? And then how did you pivot? So it was interesting. When I joined the company, the main, the main source of revenue that they had at that point had dried up because it was Lehman Brothers. So when I came in, Lehman had gone under. They had were using 85 Rods as a recruiting platform for women in finance. Um, and it was a moment of what the hell do we do now? So the first part was, okay, let's figure out our direct-to-consumer model. Like if we're not, if we are, it's going to take us a long time to develop other enterprise relationships. Can we figure a D2C model that will bring people in. And we knew that there was interest. We knew that women wanted this part of this community. So that was the very first thing is like kind of bifurcating from just a B2B to a B2C um, revenue generating model. Cause we did have people who, who were part of the network, but we weren't charging them. It was more, it was mission first, no money. So that was the first part. Um, we started realizing the type of women that were coming to the network. There were their psychographics were very similar, right? Like they're ambitious. They want to be part of something bigger. They want to get ahead, but not necessarily in the same route. They want to do something different. We started seeing how many entrepreneurs out there, how many women were trying to start their businesses and trying to figure that out. So that's kind of where we went. Then the next, um, so that's how we started with our revenue model. Then the next big point I would say was the founder wanted to step back. And so I'm sure that a lot of your listeners can relate where it's like a, the, that point in time where it's, you know, this was a founder that was an older founder in her and, you know, started her business in her older years. And she ended up selling the company because she was, you know, I think that the person who's going to buy it, who was a very most powerful woman in Wall Street at that time, will infuse great energy towards it. And it was true, you know. Sally Krawcheck bought the company. I stayed on board. We started for a second time, what I would say, the businessification of the company, like for the second time going through Yeah, part two, version 2.0. And in fact, we actually ended up rebranding. So we ended up creating a whole new image, a whole new brand. This is where we turned into Elevate. 
we found new niches of customers on the enterprise side, particularly. So those businesses that are very male dominated, but also have women in decision-making positions that want to bring other women along. We also started seeing how, you know, there's some companies, you have the big banks, you have the big giant Fortune 500 companies out there, but a lot of them have, when they talk about DEI, it's very structured, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. They have kind of a way that they're going. There are companies that are a little smaller, but are still large companies that need more help with that, that are starting to figure it out, are starting into how do we make this business more uh, friendly for women? How do we make the talent that we're seeing come in the pipeline, all these female talent actually stay? And so we started kind of working with them. And the reason we saw this was honestly from knowledge from our D2C channel. So when we started seeing who was coming in on the consumer side, who are the people that are interested in this community? You could start extrapolating into who are the people who, you know, who are the other sides of the businesses that could really use it. That I think was probably some of our biggest changes. We started growing regionally. That's where we started a lot of our chapters. Um, that was kind of 3.0 when we started building these more like let's focus on regional yeah. expansion. Like we already know kind of who we're serving and what we're doing. Um, which was a very interesting way. I think the point about around that point, our team scaled. And I don't I don't know if you talk a lot about team scaling and team yes, we growth do. and what the challenges are here. But I heard you're a culture uh culture nerd. I am a culture nerd. That is that is certainly how I would describe myself. And at this point in time, um, we were going from a team that was five. So, you know, scrappy. What are we doing? Everyone like in everyone's business to something that was like 15, which sounds it is small and we're still a small business. But that the complexity going from I think it's five to 12 and then it doesn't change until it's 50 employees and then it starts changing more on like the hundreds um, was baffling to me. That's where I started becoming more of a culture nerd because I was like, no one knows what they're doing. No one's aligned. While the markets may have seen a dip in Q2 VC funding, it doesn't mean that your business can't scale. It just means it might look different to how you plan. With thousands of in-house crafted integrations of marketing, sales, and service, HubSpot is on a mission to help your business grow better with a CRM platform that's easy to buy, use, and scale. Want to figure out how to streamline your deals? Easy. The Sales Hub helps you close more deals by automating your busy work. Need to automate your social media? Piece of cake. The Marketing Hub has everything you need to publish, post, and monitor your social media channels all in one hub. And with Service Hub, centralized customer data keeps your support teams all moving in one direction, forward. Learn how HubSpot can make it easier for your business to grow better at HubSpot.com. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder, but getting paid shouldn't have to be. This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. 
Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. Yeah, how did you? How, so, what took place? Let's let's go down the like. Let's talk about culture, right? So, how did you build that culture? You know, because we've got so many entrepreneurs that are scaling teams, and I do think that the one of the biggest you can't scale. There's very few businesses that you're going to scale. It's almost next to impossible to scale anything by yourself. You need a team to support you and the mission and your business. And then once you're kind of like you, you know, like you said, it under that five person mark, it's like everyone's doing everything. How do you go from that? crazy chaos to alignment, right? So what was that? What did, what did you end up doing, uh, Maricela, to really drive that culture of Elevate? What were some of your biggest aha moments and learnings? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say one of the biggest things was realizing how siloed communication was after we brought new people in. We were so used to being everyone in everyone's business that we had to take kind of like three steps back to be like, what are the processes that we need to have in place so that people understand what others are doing? So we literally started from building a new org chart, which is like the most basic, basic, basic thing. But like, where do we all fit? And how do we all fit into what we're trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. um, communication was huge. We started actually creating, um, there's this great book that I actually, I absolutely love and recommend yeah. all the time. It's called Scaling Up. I've read and it and I can second it, that. It's I I became a nerd with that book. Like Scaling I was just up. kind of reading it all the time. Started doing the, you know, the whole like, let's start with daily huddle so that we're all in alignment. Like start with like this meeting structure and, and cadence of once a week we report all the important things. It was really funny because it 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 had to start from that like teeny thing that you would think is so obvious of like. Tell people what you're doing. <laughs> Accountability and structure. It's 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 a process. I think that that's what's missing when I think about my early days and even as I like as mentoring so many businesses, it's just putting a process in place and following that process. And you're right. It's so basic. It's not rocket science. Like CEO school is not rocket science because there is no such thing, right? It's just putting in systems in place so that you can have alignment and have people rowing in the same direction. Because you'd be surprised on just having that little bit of transparency to know what your team's working on. Can You'd be, you'd be surprised on what you find because they're not working on the things that they should be working on half the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a, the the clarity of prioritization that comes when you actually have the transparency of what people and looking into what people are doing and where they're spending their time is priceless. And it's processes like you were saying, it's systems and it's I think the accountability you said that word and it like kind of it struck a chord because what we were what I was seeing was like a lot of we should do this. We should do that. And A, who's we? Mm -hmm. I, I tend to use this phrase a lot. Every time someone says we, I'm like, by we, do you mean you? Or in my same way, I would say like, by we, I mean you. So who's the, who's the proverbial we? And who is owning this? And who is accountable? And who's helping? Because what, if no one's account, if there's no one person accountable, then there's no one accountable. And things will not get done. 
and it just won't work. And that clarity of what each person's role plays, not even within a team, but within a project to the basic level of what you're working on today, I think was um, was kind of eye opening. I fully agree and support that 100%. It actually, and what you said, so accountability is something that I'm really keen on. And I think that a lot of people don't know how to drive accountability. So it's like everybody wants, there. it's two sides of it. You have to know as a leader how to drive accountability. But I think humans want accountability. So I think we we like structure as humans. We like to follow processes and rules. And sometimes as leaders, we're like, oh, we're, you know, we don't don't want to be too direct or we're trying to sugarcoat. And then all ends up what ends up happening is we're just wasting everyone's time and not actually ending up getting the result that we need. So accountability is a really good thing both ways, from a leader to also the team member, both together to drive accountability both ways. And I love what struck a chord with me and what you said is the we. We should be doing just means I need you to be doing. And we're just trying to be nice about the the we element of it. Mm-hmm. We need to learn to be more direct. And I think as women, I see women really struggle with that. So I'd love for, you know, you you have a network of, you know, you're everywhere. This is what you do is help women elevate themselves in the workplace. I'd love to talk about what are like the top three things that you see that women do that you think needs to change immediately or that you're constantly coaching on or you're this is this is a theme that you see in women and that is stopping themselves from actually um gaining the success that they want in their in their roles or in their companies i think we the, i would say without a doubt the first one is we don't believe in our, like we don't own what we've accomplished we're always playing it down yes. um and the imposter syndrome mentality, which I hate that phrase, um, is very prevalent. It's it's honestly extremely prevalent. A lot of the women who I speak to or who I, 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 I see in our um, sessions, a lot of it is just, yeah, but I, 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 I'm really working hard to get to this. And you're like, you already have what it takes to get there. You're just not seeing it. And I think that we need to stop second guessing ourselves. We let the like little naysayer in our minds drive the car when we should be the ones driving the car and just tell them to move, move, move away. It's going to be less nice about that, but. You could say fuck off. Um, it's okay. We could say fuck off here. Okay. Fuck off. Okay. Fuck off. <laughs> okay. So tell the little naysayer. So imposter syndrome and just really just owning your worth. I think it's just knowing your worth, owning your worth and being ready. Like you're ready now. So that's number one. What's number two? Yes. And not apologizing for what you want. Ooh, that would be number two. I love that one. I think there's a lot of, of, okay, you're ready, fine, you're admitted, but then what do you want? It's, there's nothing wrong with wanting a successful business. There's nothing wrong with wanting to make money. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be the person calling the shots. I love that. And I think we apologize too much for that. What's number three, the final one? Number three. Number three is... Yeah, we don't ask enough. I was gonna. I, 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 I was ask. waiting. I was gonna say if you can't come up with three, I was gonna come up with a third for you. It's actually advocating for it. So now that you know that you're worth it, number two is that you are you're ready, right? So you've yeah, right. So you you've told it to fuck off. You're ready. You you know what you want, right? You're not apologizing to to have it. Now go ask. Like now go advocate because what I hear on my side from even women in our organization, like I, I'm on, I feel like I'm in this like really interesting place because I, I have a company. That's my day job. It's growing. We were like 350 team members. I've seen it all. 
right? 10 years of entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. scaling to a billion dollar business. Like I've seen a lot of things. And then I have CEO School, which is this mission-centric company that I have that's more focused on coaching entrepreneurs to get to this level. I see both sides of it. And what I see actually is that when women will say, is that, yeah, I know what I want, but I'm not given it right? Or I'm not, I'm not being taken seriously. And like, did you actually advocate for yourself? Did you actually go and ask? Did you do it in a way? It's not just about entitlement, right? To say, okay, now that I know my, my worth, I'm deserving. What is your path to getting there? Did you have and start that conversation? So I see that that gets missing on the corporate side, a hundred percent. And on the entrepreneurial side, I see the same exact thing, but flipped in reverse on the entrepreneurial side where we're not, we're not taking risk to hire fast enough. We're not taking risk on, on taking those bets and then having that imposter syndrome ourselves. So it's, it's almost like it doesn't matter what role I see women in. We're, I would say, I'm going to, we're the problem half the time. We don't get out of our own way. Yes. And the advocating part is so interesting to me because we do that for everyone else. Yes. Everyone else in your life, you're advocating for your kids. You're advocating for, you know, other people who you want to help. When are you asking for yourself? When are you actually putting yourself in the first place and being like, hey, this is important to me? It's it's fascinating when you think about it. But um yeah, you have to ask, you have to make the opportunity. And you were saying, you know, when you said being given something, this is why I hate the word empowerment. And if you see all of our Elevate branding, you will very rarely, if anything, see anything that says we empower women. Okay. Because that would mean we're giving people power. Like that's where that word comes from. You're giving someone power. And the reality is we have a shit ton of power. Yeah. We just never realize it and take it to task and take it to work. Women control most of the, all, 86% of consumer spending. We have trillions of dollars in investable assets. There's power. So you shouldn't be waiting for anyone to give it to you. You can you can take it and advocate for it. I love that. And I think that it's so it's, I love, I love that we're talking about this, specifically these three things, because even as an entrepreneur, even for advocating for yourself with, the revenue side of it, right? Ask for the business, ask for the partnership, like figure it out. You have to like, I see that on the entrepreneur side, you know, we get, we get over the few things where like, okay, I'm ready. I know what I want once they've kind of crossed over in this journey, but even the advocating part, you're so right. We advocate for everyone else besides ourselves. And asking for the business. I mean, how many guys do you know who are always like doing business with each other? Yeah. That's like kind of what we want to do at Elevate, right? Like, there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing business with each yes. other. Yes. That is the good old boys club. That is how the world has worked so far. And that is why it has been such a disadvantage to women is because we've never been part of the network. Right. It's not because we've been we've been left out, right? But we've never ha- we've never had a seat at the table. We've got to go build our own table. That's why these networks are existing. This is why we're seeing more and more women join communities like Elevate, like CEO School, like Chief, like others, because there is a need for us to belong somewhere. There is a need for us to also do business with each other as well. So investing, investing in things like this is not just you, you gain in so many different folds that you don't realize. I find that one of the most fascinating things about when I find women in whatever walks that they don't belong to a community. And I think that's such a disadvantage to you as a woman, whatever, where, whatever, wherever you are in your journey, 
whether you are um, a working professional, whether you're in like just a, whether you are a, a CEO, whether you are a, um, a mother, say a stay-at-home mom, what, whatever it is that you are, find yourself a network to belong to. Mm-hmm. That is how you will succeed in that path and the next path. I mean, you are the, you know, what do they say? The, the, the company you keep, right? You are the company you keep. Really and we as women are so isolated. And we isolate ourselves and there's so much opportunity. We have to go seize it and put yourself in these situations. Show up to the meeting, sign up for the thing, show up for the meetup, go to the digital event, right? Whatever it is, but find yourself a community because you are that company you keep. And having that network will, that's the whole point, right? It'll elevate you because that network is elevated and their success is your success. And so I believe in this so firmly Um, And I think that every woman needs to belong to a community, if not several communities. It's good for your business. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. It makes sense. It makes sense. You know, research shows, there's quite a bunch of research actually that shows that we need both a large community, like a large network, because most of your opportunities will come from someone who's not necessarily as close to you and a small network. And you have to find both. Yes. Right. You have to find those people that will tell you stuff like everything as it is, will be honest and truthful and be your personal board of advisors. But you need to have your hands out there meeting other people who you can learn from, who can open doors, who you never would have met any other way. And, you know, we we think about how we were left out as women um, and now we're creating these spaces. And I would say as women of color, that's triply important. You know, for my final question for you today, you know, over the next decade, I mean, there's been a lot of work being done in the women's movement. Where do you see gender equality movements taking us next? That's a really good question. To be honest, it's really sad to say, but we, we went backwards the last three years, right? If you think about not only what's happening in, in the professional setting with 1.4 million women who are still not in the work, like left the workforce and haven't rejoined to the overturn of Roe v. Wade, which I will say is a business. It impacts business. A lot of people are like, why are you mixing that with business? And it's at the end of the day, it impacts the economy for women, the economic and financial health of women. So therefore it is a business problem just as much as equal pay. And, um, and I think we have to get to the point where we're taking back all of that lost ground. So it'll be a lot of rebuilding, I would say in the next few years, in the next 10 years, my hope is we can be at a point where we're not just isolated as, you know, women try to make change. I think there'll be a bigger, um, bigger contingent of people who want to create a difference. I think the intersectionality of our identities will be more front and center. I don't think that that's been, that's been really explored. If you think about it, and there's a lot of content out there about the whole like girl boss movement and what it did right and what it did wrong and where you know it left some people out. At the end of the day, it was something that was for the time, right? The hustle culture, the moving forward. I think now, What's going to happen is we're going to, as a society, kind of think of what do we want? What, do, what are our priorities? We're already there in, in many ways, like kind of rethinking post-COVID what is important, what does success look like? And I think women will start giving their permission more to know what they want, do what they want, and put that first. 
I really hope that at least. I think in business specifically, I hope companies start treating people more like people, which will be a huge, huge opening for um, women to actually stay. I agree. I really, I, I, I agree with every sentiment that you just shared. I always say business is personal. And that's really been the reason for my success. And it'll probably be the reason for my demise as well, um, because I advocate so strongly for this. And it's really hard for me to separate that out. And as a, you know, I, um, as a as a founder and CEO, I think that as my companies scale, there's a lot of decisions that need to be made that are now at a different level that's outside of my what Sinera feels and Sinera's gut says. And it's really, it's it's really tough to make sure that that alignment is in constant. And that's what I work towards every single day to make sure everyone's in alignment to make sure that our mission is is lived out. Uh, but it's a tough job. It's the toughest job that I've had um, is to continue to ensure that my people come first and that business will continue to stay personal uh, to me. And when it doesn't, that's when I know it's time, right? That it's, and then, and that's where I think that I was out, like on an interview yesterday with, um, with a um, a press outlet talking about when it's you know when founders transition out of being CEO and my my response was it's when I know my value is no longer going to be there like as women we think about like our our business as like our baby it's like I want it my child to succeed with or without me and I know when my value is up then I know it's time for me to go and so I think that for me, I think that moment's going to be that shift because I 100% believe that business is personal and people should be treated like people. They're their whole selves when they show up. They're not, they don't show up as something else when they come to work um, or show up on Zoom or whatever else it is. We're still, we're still people first. And the businesses that understand that are the businesses that are going to succeed. And I think there's lots of opportunity uh, for many entrepreneurs listening to ensure that they have the right culture and thinking about scale. And um, Maricela, this was just such a beautiful conversation. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan. CEO School is a huge uh, partner in in your network as well. And we just want to thank you for all that you guys are doing for um, just the equality of of just parity for everyone. I think this is what this is really about. It's about diversification of thought is really yes. at the end of the day what the women's movement is about. It's not women are greater than men. It's that we are equal to. We just want equality and parity and opportunity to succeed at our own terms. Uh, and I think this is what this is all about. And I think that I can, I feel your energy and I feel your heart. And for the women that are listening here that really also feel that sentiment, that's what we're fighting for. We're not fighting for anything more. Uh, and we don't want to fight. That's not, we don't want to fight, right? Like we're exhausted. We don't want to fight anymore. We just want to have an equitable world. And so thank you for all that you do for being such a mission-centric company in that. Um, I encourage all of the listeners here to join networks like Elevate, like CEO School, and many together to ensure that your people also have the right networks as well. I think um, it's not only for you, but also the development of your teams. And so find your tribe, right? Because you are you are you are nothing without your tribe, and you need these cheerleaders. So thank you for being one of CEO School's Maricela, and we're a cheerleader you so of yours. Much. Yes, thank you so much. Where can we find you guys? Where can uh, women sign up? ElevateNetwork.com. That's Elevate with two L's. Um, we're on uh, Instagram, Elevate NTWK, Twitter, and all the all the socials. Amazing. Everyone, go sign up. And Maricela, I will see you at the next conference or the next event. And until yeah. next week at CEO School. Running a business is hard. Managing employees is hard. Getting customers through the door is even harder. But getting paid shouldn't have to be. 
This is where Stacks Payments is here to help. As an intuitive platform for invoicing, recurring billing, in-person, as well as online payments, Stacks is a one-stop hub to get you paid. What's even better? Stacks has one flat fee for the month instead of percentages you can't understand. Stop spending time tracking down customers or payment tools that fail on you. Set your automations up with Stacks Payments today. As CEO and founder of Stacks and CEO School, it's been my mission to support female leaders, founders, and CEOs. With Stacks, I'm able to do so by providing fast, easy, and affordable way to process payments every day for you. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.